the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky thing, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we continue the show now. We uh, enter the third half of our three-hour tour, and joining me this hour, once again, we have from uh, Lawn Starter, Jeff Herman. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, one of the cool things about uh, about Jeff and, and Lawn Starter is they, they do these... Um, uh, surveys, basically, uh, studies, if you will, on uh, on different kinds of uh, things that we might consider in terms of what are the best and worst cities for a variety of topics. And just recently, um, they did the one for uh, 2021 about which are the dirtiest and uh, cleanest cities in America. Um, Jeff, why why all the surveys and and how do you pick what you're going to what you're going to survey we try and find topics that people are thinking about or talking about or might be talking about if we were around water coolers in the office and this is one where cleanest cities dirtiest cities where do you live where might you want to live since we're kind of thinking of more of a remote working environment these days if you wanted to move where would you want to live and just some spotlights some cities that could improve with some of the things that they're doing to be cleaner than they are. And and you mentioned uh, remote. You even did a uh, a survey on worst, best, and worst U.S. cities for remote workers. Um, but but let's let's stick with uh, with the dirtiest cities uh, for now. Um, first of all, what do you mean by dirty? Dirty covers anything from air pollution to the quality of the roads, to the number of homes that have issues with cockroaches or with mice or rodents. 
And uh, whether you're happy with your trash disposal service or uh, whether people think that your city is dirty, all of these things were rolled into the metrics that calculated the dirtiest cities in America. And what what constitutes cleanest? Just scoring well on those on those uh, topics. Absolutely. If you have clean air, that's one. If you clean water, another. And then those cities that don't have a whole ish, lot of issue with cockroaches, those are mainly more north than south. Uh, those kind of places, you know, they do better as cleaner cities. And trash, too. You know, if, if your city doesn't have a trash problem, that's a big plus also. And it it got me one of course when you mention roads of course Michigan is has got some really terrible roads um and i i, I was kind of surprised that there weren't some cities at least in northern michigan that that made the cleanest list um detroit made the dirtiest list uh came in i think number 18 in the rankings but um is how much can people do to 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 change that? Is is blight a factor as well? Blight's a part of it, but I think the most that a person can really do is to try and do your own part, and that means recycle, clean, you know, everything that you can do. If you're walking around the street and you see stuff, pick it up. You know, it it just makes your community a better place to live. Whether you're in Detroit whether you're in Akron, Ohio, whether you're in Flint, Michigan, wherever you are, a cleaner place is a happier place. It's a better place to live. Yeah, I was going to I was going to mention Flint cuz we have a lot of trouble with blight and uh and also uh trash dumping on vacant properties. And the city has uh, been making some efforts, but like mo- like a lot of cities, especially uh through the Midwest um in and in, uh, industrial cities, money is a problem. Um, how much does finance impact impact that? I mean, who who does the cleaning? Is is it just that the people in a particular city take more pride in their city, or does it have more to do with the the resources that the city has? Who does the cleaning? Is it public works? It's a combination of many things. In many cities, there are numbers where you can call to have that dumping material removed. I think given right now, cities and municipalities are sort of stretched because of all the other things that we're trying to do with COVID. But that's one way to resolve that. And then as you're driving around the highways, you often see this stretch of road is maintained by this particular company or that particular company. That helps to keep the highways and byways clean. But when it actually comes to like the creek behind where I live, and the bed that might be dumped into the creek or beside the creek, at that point, it, you just hope that, you know, once a year there's a spring cleanup of that creek. The community gathers together, and they clean up that particular creek. It's so a lot of it's a community action with annual cleanups that make a difference, but it really takes a lot of people getting involved to do that and to kind of police the area where you live for those dumping problems so that you can have those solved. If you can't call somebody, then if you as a group can get together once a year, there's I think it's the Clean River Day, a Clean Creek Day, and that's when people tend to clean up the areas that in my neighborhood are dumping grounds. 
how much of an impact has has COVID had with people staying home more? Does that, um, I don't know, decrease the activity that that causes cities to maybe become uh, trashed? I think it helps with air pollution because as people are staying home more, there's less air pollution. You've you've you notice, I guess, in March when this all started and there were lockdowns, water was cleaner, the air was cleaner where people lived because we weren't driving so much. But now more people are back at work. There's more of that going on. Plus, when we're staying at home, we're eating a lot more at home, so our trash is piling up a lot faster. So I think that becomes a bit of an issue. And then you've got a whole new stream of waste, which is those face masks, which people just drop wherever they're at. And there's hesitancy to pick those up if you're trying to pick up trash. But, you know, you've got a lot of things going on with trash because there's more of it at home, not in the office, but at home. And there's also just this whole new wave of trash that people just toss masks wherever they're at. Um, disposable doesn't mean throw it away. Disposable means that, <laughs> you know, put it away. Put it in a trash can someplace. Don't just dispose of it on the sidewalk somewhere. Well, you know, you mentioned the masks, and I hadn't thought about that, Jeff, but I have seen that. I've gone through grocery store parking lots and seen masks, you know, just trampled, uh, you know, on the ground in the uh, in the parking lots. And, and you're right. I, I probably wouldn't pick that up. Right. And, you know, I guess that's where the people who are in your grocery store parking lot and they do the cleaning and that sort of thing, they've got those uh, poking sticks that pick up yeah. stuff in parking lots. That's what I'd use. Or, you know, we've got the gloves anyway with us so much now these days. Just go ahead and pick it up with a plastic glove and then you're all good. But I'd leave that for the grocery people to clean up in their parking lot. It's just parking, trails, streets, sidewalks. This is a whole new stream of trash that's that's we haven't quite figured out what to do with yet. And and it's as simple as just hanging on to it until you get to a receptacle. Right, exactly. Um how how do you go about doing these uh, these surveys, Jeff? When we find the topic, then we go to figure out so where can we find the statistics? Where can we find the data to be able to make a compelling story? to be able to support it with documentation and the analysis. Everything from U.S. government statistics to state statistics to if it's related to, I think, tomorrow is like the cheesiest cities in America. Then you look at Yelp reviews and you use the data from restaurants that are there for, uh, for cheesemakers or pizza makers. You pull all of this data together and then crunch it to figure out which cities are best in whatever that particular topic is. Well, the dirtiest, if... we had a lot of statistics all over from, from air to water to trash to perceptions of the city to homeless population. It was, it was all putting that together and then figuring out how, how to weight this so that it's as fair and balanced as possible. Well, and if you're doing... Uh cheesiest cities wouldn't most of them be in wisconsin <laughs> yeah it turns out madison i think is number one or number two absolutely yes yes and I, I i was doing the research for this and so many the master cheese makers are all in wisconsin because that is of course the state program so <laughs> well and and it's it's considered a dairy state right right 
Um, is there criteria for the cities that you're going to do the research about? I mean, do they have to be a certain size? Right. That is the biggest thing because if it's a smaller city, it won't show up in this listing. But you can figure that if it's if it's kind of the a smaller version of a nearby city, then it would correlate. But you also find sometimes that smaller cities, if they're near a big city like Dallas Fort Worth where where I live, you have Frisco, you have Plano. And Frisco and Plano always turn up as like one of the best places to be. And Dallas is further down on the list. So if you've got a suburban area, many times these suburban areas, they have the best of quality of life. But if you want to go to a cultural institution, you're close enough to go to a big city like Dallas to be able to do what you want to do or, you know, or a restaurant that you can't find in your local you know, area, you can go to the city. So you have the best of both worlds because you're close by. But if it's not of a certain 100,000 or 150,000 population, it won't make the list, which is why in many cases a lot of the, the cheese cities that we'd normally think would be in the list because they're not of that size – they don't make that that list in this particular case. Gotcha. Um, what about the the critters? You mentioned there's uh, you know insects are, are a problem um, more in the south because it's warmer more of the year, um, but uh, mice and rats and that kind of thing um, is is there something that that cities are doing or not doing that impacts the the population of cockroaches in the south and and mice and rats in in more northern cities i think in the south having lived in florida and in texas there's not a whole lot that the cities can do about cockroaches because they're kind of everywhere and outdoors too but in the case of mice and and rats you see more of the big cities up north trying to figure out how they can get rid of the trash so that they don't have mice and rats um, looking for food in, you know, wherever they can find it. You remember Pizza Rat from New York. Right, um, right. If there, wasn't, if there wasn't pizza, well, the rat would be finding something else. So the most important thing is to try and keep these places as clean as possible to get rid of them. And also, oddly enough, the pest control companies were reporting a surge in business as a result of COVID. And they think that's because more people were at home more people were um, maybe not as tidy with all those pizza boxes piling up at home. Um, so that created problems with cockroaches and then also with mice and rats. In some places, some apartment communities, they have uh, valet service. Well, the valet service doesn't always put stuff where it belongs, which also means that you have trash outside, which leads to rats and, and mice. Gotcha. Hey, Jeff, I have to take a break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Absolutely. All right. My uh, my guest is Jeff Herman. He's from uh, Lawn Starter. They've done a uh, survey. They do a lot of surveys, but uh, a recent one that we're looking at today has to do with uh, the, the dirtiest uh, cities in America versus the cleanest cities in America. And we'll talk some more after we let our broadcast partners at 92.1 FM, our voices radio and Flint, squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we, when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors, photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. I know this is a really hard time for everyone. We're facing a killer virus, economic pain, and all the frustrations of being cooped up at home. Believe me, I have two teenagers to deal with. But the worst thing we can do is let up now, triggering a second coronavirus wave that causes more death and economic chaos. What you're doing is working. You're saving lives. So let's all hang in there and please stay home and stay safe. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com 
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. My guest this hour is Jeff Herman from Lawn Starter, and we're talking about uh, some of the dirtiest cities in America. Jeff, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through that. No problem. Glad to be here. Flint and Genesee County sound terrific from what I heard on the commercial. <laughs> and it is, like a lot of cities are. And that's one of the reasons for doing studies like this one. You know, what are, what are the cleanest cities? What are the dirtiest cities? Um, how much does community pride play into how clean a city is? That's actually one of the factors that we looked at in this. We had the share of residents who are dissatisfied with garbage disposal, share of residents who find their city dirty and untidy, share of residents dissatisfied with time in the city due to pollution, and this is the one that kind of that commercials sparked the interest in, share of residents dissatisfied with greenery and parks. So, you know, if you if you have a great park system, then you would score as one of the cleaner cities. If you have a park system that people don't like or don't feel you know serves them then it would be more of a dirtier city so it sounds like flint has a great park system so if we were in that you know group of cities that were smaller than the 200 biggest cities flint probably would be in that that uh, cleaner part of the the scale well we've got a lot of parks but one of the problems is and this is a, a problem that a lot of cities face is um is is that maintenance for the parks falls by the wayside when money gets tight. Right. And and Genesee and probably, County has more parks than than other counties in the state of Michigan. I mean, we really have quite a few and some of them are very very nice. But if they're not taken care of, they become eyesores pretty quickly if they're overgrown and that kind of thing. Absolutely, and I see it where I live and where I've lived every place along the way. And I, I, it's unfortunate, but I think so many things are also falling by the wayside in terms of maintenance simply because of COVID and the other priorities right now. But I hope that in the months ahead that we'll be able to be, you know, in parks that are maintained more regularly because you want to be outside and you want to be outside where you can be in a park and you don't have overflowing trash bins. You don't have, you know, the grass hasn't been kept up. That's what you really want is to make sure that your parks are well-maintained. And, and trees, you have to trim them, too, every once in a while. You have to be smart about making sure that your parks are safe, great, relaxing places to be. And how much does um, design play a role in in how cities uh rank with regard to cleanliness if they're laid out well so that it's easier to maintain i guess is is what i'm getting at are there are there some designs that work particularly well i think if you're in a sort of a self-contained suburb that really helps a lot because then you don't have a lot of travel to other places and if it's a newer area you don't have the problems with uh like plumbing systems and you know the underground uh sewer systems that are kind of falling apart in some of the major metro areas so that explain why some of the suburbs like frisco which is near where i live is one of the cleanest cities because it's brand new so you have new parks you have new everything and that i think helps a whole lot um so newer cities that are nearby the older cities they they tend to do a little bit better because they plan these out 
as almost like master plan communities. Does statuary play a role in, in how cities rank? Not in our particular study, not in this particular study with cleanest or dirtiest cities, um, but statuary is just one of those things that's just symbolic of older cities versus newer cities. And I think if you have outdoor gardens and you have sculpture parks, those are a great draw for people. And they're also something that is kind of unique to that particular city. Well, I was just I was just wondering if if cities like say Washington D.C. that has a lot of monuments, and in many ways the monuments hold up without a lot of maintenance. I, I can't imagine there's a lot you need to do to the Lincoln Memorial, for example. Right. Absolutely. I think we just have to sweep it every once in a while, or, or you know, polish the floor. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I just I just wondered if if um, and there are some historic cities that have uh, you know put together um, uh, all in their in their center cities and sometimes around the the government buildings they've designed it in such a way that it is kind of like you say a, a almost a memorial park of some kind and and it doesn't require the same kind of maintenance that. Uh, you know, that that other more green spaces do. Or perchance, when you look at Indianapolis, which has the cultural trail downtown, it's a walking, biking, eight-mile trail that yeah. loops all the museums and everything together. It's incredibly well-maintained. It was always a marvel to me that when it was snowy and icy, the trail was maintained more than the streets. So, um, <laughs> you know, I guess there are some priorities there, but, you know, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to have circle the, the cultural trail uh, looping around downtown Indianapolis. And also downtown Indianapolis has a lot of war memorials, and they're all in a green space going out north of downtown. So, again, I think those are areas, like you said, that if they do have priorities, they're going to try and make sure that those are a little bit better maintained because people come to Indianapolis's downtown for the museums, for the culture, for, you know, for a little bit of that green walking space. And the easiest way to do it is through that monument square downtown. And, and does having some green space in a city um, impact how people feel about that city with regard to cleanliness? Absolutely. It, it helps to bring people downtown, it helps to bring new life downtown, and it helps to be a celebration of the people who live in that area where you can get together. There's a sculptural park that went in downtown St. Louis uh, within recent years, and it's amazing to see the people who gather there with their kids downtown because it's a green space with a lot of artwork that the kids can play on, splash pads and all sorts of things like that. So green space, activity centers, it helps to keep places vibrant instead of gray and dirty. Changes in the um, uh, in industry has, has certainly had a big impact on you know places like Flint and Detroit um, here in Michigan, but you know Pittsburgh and and you know other parts of the Midwest and and where the um, steel and car industries were and cities are, are going through something now that they that's kind of a new thing of downsizing you know cities are getting smaller 
is is green space a, a, a good thing to do with um, properties that are becoming vacant and run down and, and blighting some of these cities? I have to go back to St. Louis, which is my hometown, yeah. to the blighted areas and the houses that are burned down, run down, and just falling apart and abandoned. If you go to green space, that does help to make that property easier to maintain until they can find a new use for it. And much of North St. Louis is getting a brand new life in terms of new new jobs, new employers moving in, and a lot of those older places that have fallen down are being repaired or bulldozed and something fresh built over them. It makes all the difference in the world to not have something run down because it's rife for crime, it's rife for pests, and you know, an empty home that's been abandoned is also going to run a much bigger chance of catching fire. Yeah, that's true. Fire is a real problem in uh, vacant properties in a lot of cities. But I, I just remember that uh, you know some of some of the um, older cities, and of course we have all these different phases in America. There, there are some cities that are you know several hundred years old, and and some that are a hundred years old. Um, but there was something about cities, the, the, the center city where everything just got packed into it. Right. And, and, and I think, yeah, I, I think when you figure when you've, when you've got everything packed into a city, if you can find green space or even those little pocket parks where you've got green, that really helps people to cope with the tall buildings, the smog, the, the the dirty air if you have green that just helps to make that a, a bright spot in that particular work day if you're working in an office if you're working from home it's a it's a place where you can walk to um it it just helps so much and as i mentioned before i live in dallas now and there's an area that was just sort of a spaghetti bowl of highways and they're building a green park that's going to finally connect two areas of downtown dallas and it's just a wonderful thing to see all this concrete being replaced by green because that helps people to be able to have a place where they can gather instead of just zipping through from one highway to another highway exchange. Getting a break from the concrete jungle. Right. <laughs> um, some of the dirtiest cities that you identify, and I'll just go with the top five, and I was a little surprised to see in the number five slot San Antonio. Um. I, I don't know why, just because I've always thought of that, um, I don't know, maybe because of the Alamo and, and its historic significance, I, I thought maybe that would be a town that was uh, better maintained than others. I wasn't surprised to see New York right behind it. Um, and, and, of course, I expected Los Angeles to be on the list of, of dirtiest cities. Um what is it? I think. Go ahead. I think in the case of San Antonio, having been there, downtown is actually incredibly well maintained and clean. It's when you look at the greater San Antonio metro area, which they were doing an annexation, which would make it probably the fifth city. I think it was supposed to be the fifth largest city in America if that annexation went through. It's those areas outside of downtown where you have a little bit more blight, a little bit more 
issues with you know not being as clean as the downtown area because with the river walk with all those tourist mecca parts of san antonio you have to keep it clean because people keep coming there you want them to have a good impression but it's outside the the urban center of san antonio where you have a little bit less of the the clean and pristine kind of touristy uh view that you want to be seen in the city and what about a, a city like new orleans i you know when i think of new orleans i always think of uh of course as most people would the french quarter um which is a kind of kind of an ongoing party in fact i remember being there and seeing uh street cleaners out every morning literally hosing down the streets <laughs> and it um because the air, because the city is so old, how does like the French Quarter compare to the rest of uh, metropolitan New Orleans? The first quarter seems to be one of the dirtier areas of New Orleans. It's it's older, and you just have, as you said, a lot of trash that's cleaned up every morning. Um, people come and go, and I think that's part of it too. Uh, if you're driving into the city from outside, you're maybe a little bit more less transient. Um, and I think it's also just the roads, everything about New Orleans is older, which just makes it a little bit dirtier than... It's than, harder than to maintain, newer. isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely harder to maintain because there's just so much more to maintain. Interesting. Um, and, and what about... Uh I, I want to look at some of the picks for the for the uh, cleanest cities. Um, Oceanside, California, is considered uh, one of the cleanest cities in America. When you think of air, and you think of water, and you think of sunshine, you know all those things are Oceanside, so that makes them a bit cleaner. A bit of another thing that was factored in here was alternative fuel choices, options available for people because again, dirty air is related to like gas cars. So Oceanside scores a little bit higher on that metric too than some of the other cities because it's a little bit more environmentally friendly. And uh, Winston Salem, North Carolina, scored right at the top. Well, at the bottom of the dirtiest cities <laughs> list, the way the way this was compiled, um, it's uh, it's it's kind of interesting um, because it's the least dirty coming in at number two hundred. That is correct. With cleaner, a little bit cleaner air, a little bit people are taking pride in Winston Salem, North Carolina. Uh, so I think that's part of the reason there. Again, Frisco, having been to Frisco yesterday at first, for the first time, it doesn't surprise me that they're at 199. Madison, Wisconsin, I've been to over the years in Madison, Wisconsin, you know, incredibly clean air. Um, and, you know, people do take care of the city there. So I, I think that's part of the reason that they turned out as one of the cleanest cities in the country, Dayton, Ohio. You know, again, you know, these, these don't, they're not really a surprise for me in terms of the community and the sense of pride that the people who live there have in their communities. Well, this is, uh, this is fun. As all of these studies are, I, I just um, wanted to give you a chance to comment on a few of these other things because um, you have uh, 
and I think we talked about best and worst states to start a farm or ranch. Um, but you talk about best cities to for living without a car. Um, best and worst states for living off the grid. Um, is Montana at the top of that list? Actually, I think, hold on one second, I'll check here just to be absolutely sure. And the reason Kentucky that I, is at the top of the list. Interesting. Um, because I, I remember there was a little bit of a trend of, of people who wanted to get off the grid and and the battle cry was I'm moving to Montana, <laughs> right? Um, but but you say Kentucky that seems interesting. And and any any special reason for that? Is it a matter of policy or practice? In the case it was people are headed to Kentucky because of the cost of land and the I guess rules and regulations which make it a little bit easier to live there. Some states actually regulate whether you can get power off the grid or whether you can build your own sort of, uh, gosh, uh, restroom facilities um, you know, and, and, and tanks. So a lot of places have regulations on that. So I think Kentucky was judged the best in terms of where you can live, where you can make do and, and, and find it most affordable. I, I was surprised to find out, Jeff, that there are, are some states that have regulations about collecting rainwater, which some right, people were right. talking about using for, you know, watering plants and, and um, um, flushing toilets and, you know, other uses, not so much for drinking water, but for other things you use water for as a way of conserving and and there were regulations against it. Right. You would never have expected that, but we also were surprised when we found that, and that was a ranking factor in this. And, you know, thanks for filling in the blank. I was drawing a blank there just a few moments ago, and you nailed it with the rainwater. So thank you very, very much. Well, that was that was one example, and, and you mentioned uh, power consumption, like if you wanted to use uh, um, windmills and, and other things, they, they have ways... Um, the the local power industries uh, um, they have these setups where you can do that and and sell power back to the power company and I'm not sure what those what those connections are and what all, all those regulations are for people that use solar panels and that kind of thing. It just gives you more options if you're off the grid. So having those options available make it so much more possible so that if you have a cabin in the woods, you have to have some way of getting some sort of power. How can you do it? Can you set up solar? So having those abilities to do it are just what's really, really important. And you just made me laugh. You mentioned by Montana was the place where you thought would be number one. I just checked. They turn out to have the lowest cost of farmland. So that is surprising that they were not higher on the list, but you know they yeah. did lead in the, the, the ranking in terms of low average cost per acre of farmland. Yeah, and, and that's, I suppose, one of the reasons why people were picking Montana as a place to, to go to get off the grid because they could buy farmland, they could... Um, you know, grow some of their own food and, and do some of those things to, um, you know, the, the sustainable crowd. 
I think we found that climate also is a big factor because you want to be someplace where it wasn't going to be extremely cold or extremely hot. Um, and so that, that also played a big factor in, in this particular study. Yeah, I imagine the winters in Montana are pretty long. Right. And <laughs> you want to be able to grow your own food. So, again, the cold winter and that sort of thing, it makes some areas a little bit less, less uh, conducive to being able to grow your own food and farming. Well, what's the uh, the next the next list uh, that's coming out or or uh, survey that that you're putting together is uh, about cheese. Right, it's the cheesiest <laughs> cities in America, and that comes out tomorrow um, because there are certain areas that are known for its cheese, and there are other areas that you might not think of. There are a bunch of cities in Los Angeles area that apparently are, are uh, cheese mini capitals, I guess you would say. Um, but the two that I'm most excited about that are coming are, because of COVID, the best cities for uh, dining outside. Oh, really? Because, That'll be interesting. You know, we, we want a place that's safe if we're going to be dining out. So, you know, that would be one that I'm really excited about. And the other is one that, you know, it, it's just natural for us because Lawn Starter is all about lawn care and people do have allergies to grass. So best cities for allergy sufferers, um, you know, so that so that you you know that your city has a, a less of a problem with grass allergies and other allergies if you live there. Well, this is uh, this is great, and and I always enjoy these, Jeff, and I always enjoy you uh, taking time out like you have this morning to spend time with me. And as you know, I always give guests an opportunity to let them know where they can find out more about this and other studies and findings from Lawn Starter. Uh, what's the website, Jeff? The website is lawnstarter.com, and there's a tab at the bottom, blog. And just click on the Studies tab, and you'll see all of the studies there that we've produced within the last six months. Oh, cool. How often do these studies come out? Uh, one a week and sometimes two a week. Really? Wow, that's a pretty full-time operation. Or is that just during the winter months? <laughs> no, I, no, that's pretty a full-time operation. But, yeah, we'll be getting back into stories about how you can take care of your lawn and, you know, and, and what you need in order to be take care of your lawn and the tools and everything that, and how much it will cost you to be able to get all those things. We'll be getting back into that as the rest of this, the rest of the country starts to mow their grass again. All right. Well, Jeff, thanks a lot, and um, stay uh, stay healthy, and, and uh, best of luck with uh, everything you're doing. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Tom. Have a great day. All right. Take care. That was um, Jeff Herman from uh, Lawn Starter. Again, that's uh, lawnstarter.com for some of the studies and these studies are fun um i mentioned uh let's see uh states that would benefit most from biden's climate plan most generous u.s cities there are there are quite a few anyway we're going to take a short break and we'll be back with the final segment of today's edition of the tom sumner program if you're listening to us on uh, WFOV 92.1 FM, our voices radio in Flint, 
They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. The Tom Sumner Program is hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. 
Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you're worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. All the Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I really have a yen to go back once again, back to the place where no one wears a frown. To see once more those super special, just plain folks in my hometown. No fellow could ignore the little girl next door. She sure looked sweet in her first evening gown. Now there's a charge for what she used to give for free in my hometown. on the corner he was never mean or ornery he was swell he killed his mother-in-law and ground her up real well and sprinkled just a bit over each banana split the guy that taught us math who never took a bath acquired a certain measure of renown and after school, he sold the most amazing pictures in my hometown. That fellow was no fool who taught our Sunday school, and neither was our kindly Parson Brown. I guess I better leave this line out just to be on the safe side. In my hometown. And though it seems a pity it was so He loved to burn down houses just to watch the glow And nothing could be done Because he was the mayor's son The guy that took a knife And monogrammed his wife Then dropped her in the pond And watched her drown Oh yes indeed the people there are just plain folks in my hometown This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program
And that's a fact Come on, pretty baby Tell me what you gonna do I need something more than maybe Something more than a blue Had I love a long time And the blame you guys ain't all mine But you got no right to share Father on 
it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program the little music from uh, the Blue Hawaiians and before that Root Doctor and uh, Tom Lehrer in the comedy spotlight with my hometown I want to say thanks to my guest today Jeff Herman from Lawn Starter and before that we talked to um, oh who did we talk to before that I got it it's right here Carlton Scott Andrew the uh, entrepreneur aholic and author of the rugged entrepreneur we got a lot of good stuff coming up tomorrow good night everybody the Tom Sumner program is a live variety show we want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.